Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You may be into punk rock, soft rock, or classic rock, R&B, hip-hop, or house, country, techno, or techno-country. But no matter what kind of music you listen to, here's something else you should hear. Please consider getting vaccinated. Talk to your pharmacist today about Comirnaty, COVID-19 vaccine mRNA. This message brought to you by BioNTech and Pfizer. Welcome back to the Space and Science Podcast. We're going to read a bit today about uh, The Star Maker by Olaf Stapledon. This is a classic science fiction book from the 1930s in Britain. And uh, it's, a, it's a great book to read, both from as a story and it's a, it's a, it's a man going on a mind travel from the meadows in, in England uh, and gradually under, expanding his understanding and then towards the end of the book, so there's a bit of a spoiler alert here, uh, he meets the creator of the universe, who is then called the Star Maker. But you're going to read a little bit from it just as an input to the, the more, like the broad thinking about universes and creation and uh, the, the cosmos we live in and if there are other cosmoses as well, which is a, it's a very easy thought to get used to if you if you if you play around with a thought for for a couple of years it suddenly becomes like um a likely construct of how nature is and maybe especially because the universe seems to be so so much of a an organism that is that is it's given birth and it grows and evolves and and it has this like one blob <laughs> one cell kind of movement to it it, it might seem like so uh, and it's also so full of of um, like sophisticated and refined uh, rules and kind of potentials from the beginning to to create planets like the stars and planets and 
and also life and nature on earth as we have it. So I'm going to read a couple of, um, of excerpts here. So this is chapter 15 and it's called The Maker and His Works. You could also just note how the parallels here between being a writer and then being a star maker, as Stapleton is describing this, this, uh, this being. So, the maker and his works. Number one, immature creating. According to the fantastic myth or dream that was evoked from a mind after the supreme moment of experience, the particular cosmos which I had come to regard as myself falls somewhere neither early nor late in this vast series of creations. It appeared to be, in some respects, the star maker's first mature work. But in comparison with the later creations, it was in many ways juvenile in spirit. Though the early creations expressed the nature of the star maker merely in his immature face, for the most part they fell in important respects aside from the direction of human thought, and therefore I cannot now recapture them. They have left me with little more than a vague sense of the multiplicity and diversity of the star maker's works. Nevertheless, a few humanly intelligible traces remain and must be recorded. In the crude medium of my dream, the first cosmos of all appeared as a surprisingly simple thing. The infant star maker teased, as it seemed to me, by his unexpressed potency, conceived and objectified from himself two qualities. With these alone, he made his first toy cosmos, a temporal rhythm, as it were of sound and silence. So that's the first creation. From this first simple drumbeat, premonitory of a thousand creations, he developed with infantile but godlike zest a flickering tattoo, a changeful complexity of rhythm. Presently, through contemplation of his creatures', his creatures simple form, he conceived the possibility of more subtle creating. Thus, the first of all creatures itself bred in its creator a need that it itself could never satisfy. Therefore, the infant star maker brought his first cosmos to a close. Regarding it from outside the cosmical time which it had generated, he apprehended his whole career as present, though nonetheless a flux. And when he had quietly assessed his work, he withdrew his attention from it and brooded for a second creation. So, I'm not going to say this many times, but it's a. Uh, this is very much like writing your first story or writing a poem. That you you try to do it with some simple ambition. Or like uh, objective for for the story or for the poem, and then once you've done it, you feel the urge to 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 do it again because you you made it, but you also see how you might do it a little bit differently. So it's a uh, it's kind of a parallel going through the whole chapter, and then it keeps going. Thereafter, cosmos upon cosmos, each more rich and subtle than the last, leapt from his fervent imagination. In some of his earliest creations, he seemed to be concerned only with the physical aspect of the substance which he had objectified from himself. 
he was blind to its physical potentiality. In one early cosmos, however, the pattern of physical quality with which he played simulated an individuality and a life which they did not in fact possess. Or did they possess it? In a later creation, certainly, true life broke out most strangely. This was a cosmos which the Starmaker apprehended physically much as men apprehend music. It was a rich sequence of qualities diverse in pitch and in intensity. With this toy, the infant Starmaker played delightedly, inventing an infinite wealth of melody and counterpoint. But before he had worked out all the subtleties of pattern implied in this little world of cold mathematical music, before he had created more than a few kinds of lifeless musical creatures, it became evident that some of his creatures were manifesting traces of a life of their own, recalcitrant to the conscious purpose of the star maker. The themes of the music began to display modes of behavior that were not in accord with the canon which he had ordained for them. It seemed to me that he watched them with intense interest and that they spurred him to new conceptions beyond the creature's power to fulfill. Therefore, he brought his, this cosmos to completion and in a novel manner. He contrived that the last state of the cosmos should lead immediately back to the first. He knotted the final event temporally to the beginning so that the cosmical time formed an endless circlet. After considering his, his work from, it, from outside its proper time, he set it aside and brooded for a fresh creation. So, it's got a long excerpt here, but it's just, it's full of interesting ideas about the nature of, of uh, growth and creation and, and uh, just nature. And it's, it's interesting with the playfulness. And then you have one problem, of course, which is <laughs> where, where does the star maker come from? <laughs> Who made the star maker? Uh, which is this, this uh, loop that you get in any kind of explanation of the, also kind of the divinity, unless then this is a huge sidestep, but unless you then make the effort to, to, to describe the divine concept as that which is beyond or like the, the eternal, like you define it as that, but that, that's on the side. But the other point here is uh, the, the playing with time that this, this creator, this star maker, can create a cosmos like the internal time in the little bubble of a cosmos. It's not related to the time outside of it, which is both a, an interesting thought and it also ties into the relativity of time and, and the kind of time as a measure of change. And then it's it's conceivable even if you have like a few more cosmoses, universes, that they don't operate in the same time construct or time um, kind of what should we call it? Like if you see time as a distance, like it's not a, it's not stretched out in the same manner. So, but again, all of this is, is mostly just to start thought new ideas and thought processes. So, um, 
he keeps going with it's, it becomes very detailed here with uh, descriptions of all the different universes. Many of them were non-spatial, but nonetheless physical. And then it becomes gradually more um, more complex and, and more rich with the substance and the structure. So space, my dream declared, appeared first as a development of a non-spatial dimension in a musical cosmos. This is also a, an old thought with that the divine is, is music. And this is also from much of the old literature and also like medieval literature with Dante, for example, that the heavens are, are made more of music and harmonies as the immaterial, eternal beauty. So, and then you have little tidbits here. Uh, the followed creations with spatial char characters of several dimensions, Euclidean, non-Euclidean, great diversity of geometrical and physical principles. Some creations, expansion, were followed by contraction and entirely new kinds of physical activity. And sometimes the star maker fashioned the cosmos, which was without any single objective physical nature, so here the, the author is just really just playing with <laughs> all the different concepts that he can make, could uh, think of. And then he goes on with the, so the second part of the chapter, mature creating. According to the myth that my mind conceived was the supreme moment of my cosmical experience had passed. He has this giant flash right before he sees the star maker. The star maker at length entered into a state of rapt meditation in which his own nature suffered a revolutionary change. So at least I judge from the great change that now came over his creative activity. This is very interesting when it comes to, to the nature and the, the self-enforcing mm, growth that comes out of creative activity. <laughs> if you, it, it's, a, it's a technique you can have in your own life. You can, if you do creative works, like every work will make you think and process and grow as a person. And then after a few of them, you will go likely through a bigger change or sometimes a transformation in, in some parts of your of your, uh, of your psyche or some of, of your way of looking at things. Uh, so it's a, it's a path that is open. That's kind of, you can just, you just need pen and paper if you're writing or, or if you make some paintings or some songs. But it does, uh, like this is iteration of of change and growth in the creation process in itself, because when you then go through a transformation, you can suddenly create other things that are often richer and bigger, and that will create another sort of process going forward from that point. So the it says uh, the cosmos which he now created was that which contains the the readers and the writer of this book. So here suddenly he created like the connection to now. In its making, he used. But with more cunning art, many of the principles which had already served him in early creations, and he wove them together to form a subtle and more capacious unity than ever before. This is also in a little bit the book in itself, the Star Maker, as he wrote many other stories before. So this kind of this more grand masterworks, like also big composers, they end up with sometimes big symphonies where they can use all the learning they've had in their earlier works. It seemed to me in my fantasy that he approached this new enterprise in a new mood. 
Each early cosmos appeared to have been fashioned with conscious will to embody certain principles, physical, biological, psychological, more like the technical level of things. As has already been reported, there often appeared a conflict between his intellectual purpose and the raw nature which he had evoked for his creature out of the depth of his own obscure being. This time, however, he dealt more sensitively with the medium of his creation. The crude spiritual material, which he objectified from his own hidden depth for the formation of his new creature, was molded to his still tentative purpose with more sympathetic intelligence. With more respect for its nature and its potentiality, though with detachment from its more extravagant demands. Another sidestep here will be the potentiality concept as a very profound one. Also in the Greek philosophy with Aristotle, with the actuality and potentiality. Like if something, also in, in terms of being real or existence, if something exists potentially, or, or before something can exist in actuality, it has to exist potentially. And then you have to evaluate to which degree potentiality in itself is a, a form of existence. <laughs> and then you turn, you stumble into this question that can there really be nothing? Because wouldn't there always be potentiality? <laughs> the potential for being, and then that will always just click into becoming. So, or as the Greeks also wonder, but or is this a way of the brain? Is this a self-loop in the brain? So, but that, that's more the philosophical part of it. So, um, but and more on, on the, this current creation that we are in. In the new creation, there occurred a strange kind of discrepancy between the star maker's own time and the time proper to the cosmos itself. Hitherto, though he could detach himself from the cosmical time with the cosmical history, when the cosmical history had completed itself and observe all the cosmical ages as present, he could not actually create the later phases of cosmos before he had created the earlier. In this new creation, he was not thus limited. And uh, so even this, this cosmos was my own cosmos, continues the, the, the narrative voice here. I regarded it from a surprising angle of vision. No longer did it, did it appear as a familiar sequence of historical events, being the initial physical explosion and advancing to the final death. I saw it now not from within the flux of the cosmical time, but quite otherwise. I watched the fashioning of the cosmos in the time proper to the star maker. And the sequence of the star maker's creative acts was very different from the sequence of historical events. So um, it's quite a long chapter, the ultimate cosmos and the eternal spirit. So it becomes more spiritual towards the end as well. So the final words here. In saying that the spirit's temper was contemplation, I imputed it to an finite human experience and an emotion, thereby comforting myself, even though with cold comfort. But in truth, the eternal spirit was ineffable. Nothing whatever could be truly said about it. Even to name it spirit was perhaps to say more than was justified. Yet to deny it, that name would be no less mistaken. For whatever it was, it was more not less than spirit, more not less than any possibly human meaning of that word. And from the human level, even from the level of a cosmical mind, this more obscurely and agonizingly, agonizingly glimpsed was a dread 
mystery, compelling adoration. So that's the end of the chapter. Uh, there's a couple of things with the ending here, which is um, and like the epilogue is coming back to Earth again. But there's a thing with many philosophers or science fiction writers or theologians end up with a, a sense of um, like something eternal, like a eternal spirit or eternal div divinity of some sort that is not possible, which is a mystery. It's not possible to grasp it with the human intellect. Um, it's also something that you, you just have to strive towards understanding better. But it often ends up with a little bit the same kind of feeling to it, which might be, again, uh, perhaps just the brain revealing to itself <laughs> how it's working and that you, you reach this point, which is maybe closer to where your consciousness emerged and kind of spurred up from uh, for the first time when you were a little like in the womb as a little growing <laughs> growing fetus infant and that that point of, of of waking up as a as an existence or a consciousness might be uh, a starting point that you, you kind of move towards or maybe that's just one of of many things around this anyways that's now we're gliding into much like other areas than just science but it's it's part of the larger way of thinking and also using maybe this is partly a, a, an experiment with these episodes to try to use other modes of thinking um, from also philosophy or theology or more storytelling on the sci science um, kind of the challenges or the <laughs> complexities uh, in addition to the, the, the kind of uh, very precise, analytical, uh, detailed, scientific left hemisphere thinking. So uh, we're going to end it there around 20 minutes. Um, for anyone who made it so far, thank you so much for listening. And uh, you could all send me voice messages here on anchor.fm slash the science podcast. Uh, or um, I will also put up uh, an email or contact info uh, shortly so just to wrap it up hope this was uh, some interesting thoughts some new ideas and uh, hope you enjoyed some of it and as always thank you so much for listening and uh, talk to you again soon travel to see what's around the bend and what we're capable of. And now Capital One's new class of travel card can keep up with you. Introducing Venture X from Capital One. With 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy. Venture X, for those always asking, where next? Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.